0: What I realized upon reflection when I was a VP myself was that those conversations about how we would make a difference to the customer fueled a belief in me and a narrative in me that I could take to the customer.
1: Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker and author Gavin Preston tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights, and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hey everyone, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast. And today we have the pleasure of talking to Lisa McLeod. Lisa is just releasing right now the second edition of her very successful book Selling with noble Purpose all about the importance of you having a focus in your business a purpose a North Star particularly for those people in selling roles and We'll cover gems such as the leading indicator of performance in your business is the behaviour of your people. Listen out for three super powerful questions that Lisa shares with us that enables you to help identify your purpose in your business, and specifically those for the purpose for the selling team. And you'll also hear some uh, insights that Lisa applies to the world of parenting, and some aha moments that it helps me. Hi, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast. Today, I'm talking to not only an author has produced one book, but now into it's so successful, now into edition number two. Lisa McLeod is the global expert on purpose driven business and the best selling author of Selling with Noble Purpose How to Drive Revenue and Do Work That Makes You Proud. Lisa spent two decades helping leaders increase um, their competitive differentiation and emotional engagement, and her work debunks the myth that money is the primary motivation for most employees. Lisa, welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast.
0: It's such a pleasure to be with you today, Gavin.
1: So, exciting times, release of the second edition of your
0: book. Yeah, we are super excited about it. When I wrote Selling with Noble Purpose about seven years ago, it did, as you said, debunk that myth that money was the primary motivator. And what we've seen since is we've implemented this with over two dozen companies. And when they claim a noble purpose bigger than money, they wind up making more money.
1: Great, great. Um, I also recently published my book at the end of July, which is is survive and thrive, how to secure, scale and succeed in business. And I have a chapter about the importance of purpose and I have a quote that profits follow purpose. So Mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So before we get into that, Let's have a little bit of your sort of uh, career background and a bit a, a little bit about Lisa as well.
0: So more recently, I came out of the sales consulting world where I did sales and leadership consulting. But uh, prior to that, I was a VP of sales, and okay. yeah, so I so I had the, all that pressure of how do we produce money, and so my business today is really the two sides of my life finally coming together, which is the driven VP of sales. We've got to hit these revenue targets. And then the the spiritual quest that there has to be more to life than just money. And so they finally come together and proven that they're actually, as you said, connected because the profit does actually follow the purpose.
1: So did you have a, mo- you know, if we rewind the clock to your VP of sales days where you have to deliver to the board, um, mm-hmm. achieving sales uh, sales results, did you have a moment where you thought, pushing, striving, driving hard, purely for profit, We're this isn't working, this isn't, we've got to do it, there must be a different way. Did you have a moment like that?
0: I did. And it actually came not when I was a VP of sales, it came when I was in sales myself. Where I saw the difference attitudinally in myself and others when we really believed in what we were doing and believed it made a difference to customers. And I actually had a great boss who uh, unknowingly at the time would sit down with me and when we would go over our uh, pipeline. And we would look at who, who we were trying to sell. He would say, well, tell me, tell me what's, what's going to be better for them. How will the customer be after we sell them this? And we were selling um, big consulting packages. And we would talk about, oh, the customer's going to be this, they're going to be that. We're so excited and all this. And I didn't realize I was in my late 20s at the time. He's a great boss. And I actually talk about him in the new book and how this set the seeds for selling with noble purpose because what i realized upon reflection when i was a vp myself was that those conversations about how we would make a difference to the customer fueled a belief in me and a narrative in me that i could take to the customers because your word is ringing in their ear when are you going to close it and how much is it going to be and they're going to go into the customer and just spew of breath all over the customer and the customer is going to find it most unattractive.
1: Uh, not only very unattractive, but it shows that the, the balance of interest is all about, uh, on yourself, isn't it? You know, we need yeah. the money, we need to close a deal as opposed to how are we serving you? What's the difference our yeah. product or service is going to make to you?
0: Yeah. And customers can feel it. And I oh, use yeah. that word feel very intentionally because it comes across as not an intellectual thing but a psychological and emotional thing. And sure. you can feel it from the moment the person enters the room. If they are tense to close you, and I say the room, could be the Zoom room now. In yeah. fact, yeah. when you're doing it virtually, it becomes more obvious that your people are acting this way. And, and what happens is a lot of times salespeople get a bad rap been people oh you know they're just out for themselves but what we look at is if you look at the sales ecosystem the manager's voice the crm all the things are pointing the seller that way and they're just trying to make a living and so what we've done in our consulting practice and in the book is figured out a way that you can point your people towards making a difference to customers and you create a completely differentiated sales experience you get a bigger win rate but you can't just tell the salesperson vaguely Try and make a difference to customers. You have to be more specific than that.
1: Customers want to know that you care. Mm Mm-hmm. If you're just there to, to close a deal to close a sale, people, as you say, they'll see through it or they'll feel it. They'll they'll feel that vibe, and, and as you said already, that's, that's unattractive. Yeah. But I'm sure probably less and less now. But over the last seven years since your book, your first edition of the book came out, I'm sure you must have had many conversations with uh, boards, you know, with C-suite execs who've said, mm-hmm. "No, but we have to deliver." growth in our bottom line profit growth in our revenues mm-hmm. to uh, fulfill the expectations of our stakeholders so you know all this could lead prof- uh, purpose stuff ultimately i'm measured on or we're measured on bottom mm-hmm. line so what, what, what what's your response been to those uh, those conversations
0: well one of the things we know is that revenue and profit are lagging indicators mm-hmm. they are the result of the interactions that your people have had with customers. And so if you want to improve those lagging indicators, you have to focus on the leading indicators and the leading indicators. Some, some companies dial it back a little bit. Leading indicators are number of deals in the pipeline, size of the deal. Those are more leading indicators, but you go back even further. The real leading indicator is the behavior of your people. And it's 100% in control of the leader. And what drives behavior are beliefs. And so what you've got to see, the first thing you've got to do in your team is seed a belief that what they are doing makes a difference, a positive difference to the customers. And if you've got a business and you're selling stuff, this isn't inauthentic. Customers wouldn't be buying from you if you weren't improving their lives or businesses in some way. And so you've got to start with that core belief And what you need to do as a leader and what we've taught leaders how to do, and it's not a big leap, is you have got to create urgency around making a difference to customers versus just urgency for your own numbers. Because what we've seen in our research is the sellers who have urgency around their own numbers come across as aggressive in a very self-oriented way. The sellers who have urgency about making a difference to customers come across as assertive. And uh, it's a really important di- nuanced difference, yeah. aggressive versus assertive. Aggressive is for your own ends. Assertive is because you believe. And customers actually respond very positively to that. And so you're right. When we first wrote the book seven years ago, um, people that we, a number of people took a leap of faith, but we now have hard data. And we've had several companies, um, HootSuite, uh, G Adventures, a bank, out, a, a commercial bank. Um, we've had a number of companies become leaders in their space, win Best Place to Work awards, have exponential revenue growth because they became differentiated. Instead of a company that was just out selling the thing, they were the company who was all in for their customers.
1: Love that. And... In terms of performance of sales teams, so I can understand from the point of view of converting a a sale, closing a deal because the customer believes you to care, to be more authentic, to want to look after, help them achieve their objectives. What difference has it made for the sales team, both in terms of their engagement and in terms of their results?
0: Well, it's a great question because the research and our own experience tells us, that when you believe you're part of something bigger than yourself, you have more tenacity, you have more resilience, and you feel more emotionally connected. Uh, There was a a breakthrough study at Michigan State University here in the US that showed that the salespeople who were dialed into making a difference to customers actually had more resilience and put forth more effort over time than the salespeople who were just focused on their own financial gain. And again, a lot of these people who are focused on their financial gain, they're not bad people. They're just looking where they were pointed. Yeah. And, they don't, and once you tell them, guess what? You can have your own financial gain and you can be part of something bigger and more exciting than yourself. I mean, there's a reason some of these companies win Best Place to Work awards. We had a client who was a bank out of Atlanta, Atlantic Capital Bank, and they're on the cover of American Banker. And people say, I would never work anywhere but here because they decided their noble purpose was we fuel prosperity. Folks at Wells Fargo may be told cross sell, cross sell, but these folks are told go fuel the customer's prosperity and their earnings are up 40% because they create a different ethos. And so in today's time, one of the challenges that sales leaders face is you don't have the big sea of desk with all the people and the energy feeding off each other and high five in each other. All these salespeople are at home You've got to win their hearts and minds or what's going to happen is they're not going to quit. They're going to do worse. They're going to quit and stay <laughs> if they don't feel like what they're doing is meaningful. And you're not going to know for six months.
1: I love that. They're going to quit and stay.
0: Right. Right. And six months later, you're going to find out that half your sales team wasn't really into it.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 And arguably they could, uh, Uh, find it easier to hide when working from home some people than than they could Uh have done in terms of the workplace yeah
0: yeah and it's and i don't want to imply that people are bad have bad intentions they don't it's not just i mean the, the the workers who don't want to work will find it easier to hide but well intended people who want to do right by their company who want to do right by their families and their customers they need more they they need this sense that we are the white knights. We are out there helping these customers. You got to galvanize them around something.
1: But if your purpose is making a difference for your customers, um, or even for your customers' customers, right? Then your services, your products that you are offering. Um, that's going to help them achieve that objective. So it's not a sale, is it? Becomes, hey, I've got something to share with you that will help you. In the case right. of the Atlanta Bank, you know, uh, improve your prosperity.
0: That's exactly right. And it, and if you take that bank as an example, one of the things that we've seen when you name and claim this noble purpose and you teach your people how to sell with noble purpose, one of the the wins is you get better customer intelligence. Because if you're just out there pitching and you think your job is to sell this widget, you're going to talk about this widget. But if you think your job is to fuel the client's prosperity, you instinctively need to know more about the client. And so what we've seen is you not only increase your win rate, but you also increase your retention rate. Because hmm. you've sold something that is valuable to the customer sure. versus just competing as another product.
1: So you can measure quite Clearly, quantitatively, profit. Um, how and you, and you can know whether it's good, bad, or indifferent by way of performance. Yeah. How do you measure how you know when a company's actually nailed it in terms of what their purpose is? How do you know when you've got it? When you've got there?
0: There are a couple things that you can measure that we do with our clients. So the first thing is you do have to be specific about your purpose. Just saying we want to make a difference to customers is better than not saying it. Mm-hmm. But it is best if you can actually land on a purpose. So the one client is We Fuel Prosperity. We work with another customer here in the states, and theirs is it's Dave and Buster's, and it's We Champion Laugh Out Loud Fun. Uh, we had a big international client in the travel business, and theirs was We Care About Delivering Amazing Travel Experiences. So so none of these are we're going to change the world but they are clear about the impact that they want to have on customers. And so I'll use the travel company as an example. They can measure how well they're, del- if we care about delivering amazing travel experiences, is their North Star and their noble purpose, they can measure how well are we delivering. They can establish some guidelines for caring. And this is where it gets challenging because it is more qualitative than Quantitative. And so you got to have some managers that have some skill, but you can measure it. There's some other, you know, net promoter scores, the number of referrals you get from clients, how long you hold on to deals, how much are you sole sourced. Uh, how long is your sales process? How many people does the client involve in your sales process? How often do they come back to you for a lower price? There are a number of things that you could measure. But, but one of the things that's really important is you have to avoid what's called surrogation. You have to avoid the metric becoming the strategy. So Wells Fargo wanted to improve their share of wallet with customers. They wanted to do it by serving customers really well. But instead, they measured cross-selling. And I don't know if you, for overseas clients, uh, people outside the U.S., this was a huge banking scandal in America. And so once you get down to measuring things and make the metric everything, you've lost it. Because what you're trying to capture is the ethos and the sentiment. But having said that, there are metrics you can look at, but you need to look holistically at your metrics. One example, one call center we used was how long are you staying on the phone with people and they actually wanted you on the phone longer right. because it showed the, rather than shorter because yeah. it showed the customer was engaged and then they would do some spot checks on the customer's tone of voice again it's not everything but is the customer happy to be talking to you
1: Hi, Gavin here. I wanted to say a huge thank you. Thank you to all of you who have bought a copy of my book, Survive and Thrive, How to Secure, Scale and Succeed in Business. The feedback's been excellent. Copies have gone to all four corners of the planet. I'm so grateful and humbled. I also wanted to let you know that now the audio book version is out. The audio format can be got from audible.co.uk or audible.com or from my website, surviveandthrive.cc. It was a lot of fun recording the audiobook and hopefully you'll pick up my passion as I take you through all the insights, strategies and case studies to help you not only survive but thrive through uncertain times so go to audible.com or audible.co.uk to check out survive and thrive by Gavin Preston or grab it from my website surviveandthrive.cc so do you have um, a process a series of questions that you ask clients to help them identify what their purpose is
0: we do. It all comes down to three questions. How do you make a difference? How do you do it differently than your competition? And on your best day, what do you love about your job?
1: Oh, I love that. Say that again please. So, how do you make a difference? How do you do it? How do you do it differently to your competition? And,
0: and on your on... best day, what do you love about your job? And when we start asking teams these questions, the purpose becomes really clear. And, and if you notice, we're asking teams, the questions, the sales teams, sometimes the customers, because what you want to do is you want to get beyond just the standard value proposition, which tends to be very cut and dry, non-emotive. You're trying to create what we call the tribe of true believers, and they need something bigger than just we're the number one provider of end-to-end services. They need something to believe in around, again, we're fueling prosperity. We're the champions of fun. We are delivering these amazing travel experiences. Whatever it is, you need everyone in your organization to have that sight line. Even if it's just you, even if you're a sole entrepreneur, or if you have, you know, 100,000 people. Once they're all clear and pointed in that direction, you, it becomes a force multiplier.
1: For sure. Uh, you mentioned before uh, Purpose, then you used the phrase North Star. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, um, US um, consulting group Bain & Co produced a, a, an, an article relatively recently talking about during COVID times, the businesses that yeah. are thriving, those that are generating their adaptability. And its mm-hmm. first point of nine was saying they have a clear direction, a focus on a North Star. So although okay. there is so much change going on right now and Uh, things sort of curveballs coming in left and right and changing, you know, regulations or restrictions around movement and lockdowns, et cetera. If you still have a clarity of a North Star, Mm -hmm. then you can still be moving towards that.
0: That's right. That's right. And so uh, I'll give you two examples, personal examples. So in our business, our noble purpose is to help leaders drive revenue and do work that makes them proud. We want to help people make money and make a difference. So when COVID hit, we're not out in front of clients. We have to completely reconfigure. But we're still trying to do the same thing. The more personal example I would use is a lot of people all of a sudden were home with their kids. Yeah. And and for, for those listening, Gavin's eyes just got big and rolled back in his head. Um, but, but you think about it, if you thought your job as a parent was to get up, get the breakfast, get the kids to school, get them to their other stuff, check their grades, blah, 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 blah. If you were focused on all those logistics, what do you do? But if your job as a parent is to create future leaders, your path is going to be more clear. You're gonna, you're gonna figure out what to do and you're gonna have more confidence in your ability to do it. And I use that as an example because the first, get up, get to bed, get to blah, 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 blah out the door. Those are the logistics of your job. And if the conditions change, it becomes very difficult for you to do what you perceive as your job. But if your job is to create future leaders and the conditions change, your North Star hasn't changed. The same thing is happening in business. and You said that paper from Bain. We've seen it with our clients. Those who had clarity of purpose pivoted in a week.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They knew. We still have to do this thing for our customers. I say have to. It's get to do this thing for our customers and it becomes more important than ever. So how are we going to do the thing that we do? Their their whole ethos wasn't built on the model. It was built on making a difference to customers. That will stand the test of time.
1: For sure. And um thank you for that gift around purpose as a parent. <laughs> Because, you know, honestly, at times, um, the homeschooling piece on top of the work piece yeah. just became really challenging. And uh, then it became one of those things that's got to get done. But wow. naturally, that reframe, that power is about to my job as a parent is to create a future leaders. I love
0: that. It, it it served me well in my many years as a parent. And my youngest daughter is last year was a first-year school teacher. Oh Wow. What a year to be a first-year school teacher. Oh, my and she, goodness. And she teaches in a school, um, a public high school here in America, um, where uh, most of her students get a free lunch, and that means that it's a, it's a po- very poor area. And so she has leaned on that many times as a 22-year-old first-year teacher saying, creating future leaders, here we go you
1: know,
0: because it just changes. Because then when you see that, just like in sales, when you, when you see my job is to make a difference, then the conditions that are challenging for you, you actually think, huh, maybe this is my chance to make a bigger difference. Like with your kids, you think they're going to be they're going to go through hardships in their life. We don't even know what they're going to have to go through in their life. For sure. And they're, they're going to remember, okay, we got through this. We can do the next thing. And th- and that's the thing. I mean, leadership is leadership no, where you, no matter where you practice it, whether you're a parent, whether you're leading a team, whether you're doing both. And when you tell your team, "Oh, I hope everything's going to get back to normal soon. You're telling them we can't cope with adversity. But when you tell your team, Look, we are fueling prosperity. Our customers need it now more than ever. We're going to pivot and adapt. You don't just create a team that's going to drive more revenue. You create a team that's resilient, that has confidence, because they're part of something bigger than themselves. When human beings have a history of stepping up is when other people need us.
1: And I think as leaders, our ability to point people in the direction of their innate talent, their innate ability to survive challenging times their innate care compassion and spirit mm-hmm. to be able to thrive out of times of adversity people start to believe in themselves and obviously mm-hmm. believe in what they're doing for their customers and then they can start to be making a genuine difference mm-hmm. and uh, I, I commented with lisa before we press record co- record behind her to uh, on a bookshelf behind her there's a book with the amazing title realize how good you really are And I think many people in places of work, no matter their level of seniority, need to be reminded of that message and indeed our customers to realize how good they really are.
0: Yeah, you are not your business model. That anybody who is clinging to their business model and thinking, when can I get back to this is on their way to becoming irrelevant because we may get a vaccine, we may go back to being in person, but some of these changes are going to stick forever. And if you are trying to get people to sell, you need them knitted together by a core belief that they make a difference. It needs to be aspirational and specific. And that's the kind of team that can flex. Those are the kind of teams that are going to come out of this with stronger connections to each other, to the customers. They're going to be more differentiated because they had clarity of purpose.
1: So, how do you make a difference? How do you do it differently from your competition? And on your best day, what do you love about your job? On that last one, I love, I love all three, but I love that last question. What are some of the answers you've had about, to that on your best day? Um, what, what do you love about your job?
0: So, one thing that happens when we ask that question is, especially when we ask it as sales teams people will say that at first blush, they'll often say, Oh, the day I closed that huge sale. Oh, that was a great day. And then I'll ask them, well, how'd you feel the next day? And a lot of times they'll go, well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because then I started worried about the next year and it kind of wore off. I said, well, tell me about some things that really stuck with you. And inevitably when you ask them about on their best day, the days that really stuck forever, that weren't just fleeting, it was about when they made a difference. And they'll say, well, you know, this one customer, I'll never forget it. They called us late at night. They had this big problem and we raced around and got it. And the look on their face when we delivered their stuff was amazing. Or the time I helped a colleague. And so what happens, people often don't realize the brain science behind this is when you have a big personal win and wins are great. Don't get me wrong. We all need the wins you get a big dopamine hit and dopamine makes you feel good. It's a brain chemical, but it's fleeting. It's like when you get a like on Facebook, you do something exhilarating, you get a dopamine hit, but it is fleeting. But when you make a difference to someone else, your frontal lobes light up and you get serotonin flowing through your body and that's more longer lasting, it's more sustainable. And so when people talk about their best day, Um, We had uh, the CEO of that bank that came up with We Fuel Prosperity. I said, tell me about some of your best days on this job. And he told me about this time when they got this loan through for this first generation American to start a string of dry cleaners. He's like, I remember he was so excited. It was early in my career, like three jobs ago. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, I just helped this guy make a business. This is amazing. And I yeah. said, that's how we want everyone in your company to feel all the time.
1: <laughs> and so many people lose that connection to sales. I was with I... A, I was with a client last week, and they um, they install um, stair lifts in people's homes for, for to help people oh, as, okay. as they get older, help them get up and down the stairs. And the engineers, the whole business is incentivized on hitting an overall turnover to revenue target. And the engineers were saying, we don't. The, who do the installations? Who do the service? Who do the repairs? They were saying we don't feel as if we have any influence over the sales target, and I and I find that quite common where people say, "Well, how is my role really making a difference at the part of this bigger role?" And we started. I started to offer examples of how you know one engineer um, h- helped h- helped identify a part was about to run wear out and through 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 wear Mm -hmm. and tear yes he sold a repair but the difference he made to that customer was she avoided a breakdown
0: right which could have been everything to her she might not have been able to get up the stairs to go to bed at night sure she would have been sleeping on the couch and it and that's what we find when you get clarity of purpose one of the things we do with organizations is we have every person map their job back to that purpose and how you make a difference to customers. Because one of the things people often ask, well, if you implement selling with noble purpose, how long does it take? And we always say it takes one day and a year. Because the very first day, people get really excited. But what we tend to find with our clients is, over the course of the next year, they will almost always have an innovation breakthrough. Okay. Because when everyone starts talking and thinking about how we make a difference to customers, we'll go to your chairlift company and oh my gosh, this one woman had this one issue and then all the engineers are talking about, and this person had this issue and this person had this issue. Some will say, do you notice when they get to the top of the stairs that they have trouble with it? You know what? I did notice that. Did you know? Like once the conversation becomes about making a difference to customers, there is almost always some innovation or service breakthrough because you suddenly put a different lens on it.
1: And it's so easy in life and in business to make it about us, whether things mm-hmm. are going, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. The soon as we make it about them being the customer, the people that we're serving, um, not only is the whole experience so much more fulfilling, but we're focusing on the things that matter.
0: Right. And it's, I do want to draw a, a really important nuance distinction here. And I'll use, uh, we'll go back to our parenting example parenting is not about making your children happy all the time it's about creating people who know how to make themselves happy and so in business having a noble purpose is not always about pleasing the customers it is about improving the customers because oftentimes uh, very famous saying, um, Henry Ford said, If I gave them what they wanted, they'd have asked, they, I'd have given them faster horses. Yes. Yeah. And so, if you want to be a really innovative company, this nuanced difference, it's not just about giving the customer everything they ask for. You're giving them a lot of what they ask for. But if they're asking for, you know, this feature, a lower price, whatever they may be asking for, that might not be really the best thing for them. So when you focus on if you notice those statements I gave you, fueling prosperity doesn't mean we give a loan to everybody who wants one, because some people don't. That's not the best thing for them, that loan. It it and so what it does is if you're clear about how you want to improve the customer for your share company, it might be, you know, be able to live their life without constrictions.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, I you know, be able to be able to enjoy the fullness of their homes or something like that. If they're doing that, then they think they want this widget. Actually, we can do even better if we're clear on the impact that we're trying to have on them.
1: So over the, the last seven years, there's been a lot of good work in this space about the importance of purpose in the world of business. Mm-hmm. And I've started to to notice more and more companies, CEOs are recognizing that purpose as a goal for a business, or having a clarity of purpose, is as important, if not more important, than profit. Are you finding that in your own
0: work? I am. I've seen, so there were a couple of early books about purpose, and, and I've seen as some smaller firms started to adopt it and got successful, larger firms did. I'll tell you the gap I'm seeing, though and why we wrote Selling with Noble Purpose and came out with a second edition of it, it's because a lot of companies will adopt an aspirational purpose, but sales becomes an isolated silo where they talk about their purpose at the top of the organization, but when it comes to sales, they still think, show me the money. And they assume that the salespeople are motivated by financial targets alone. And our research tells us the opposite is true And that if you can infuse your purpose into sales and use it to animate the sales process, it is where you get the actual greatest financial reward.
1: So there will be, I'm sure some people still listening to this now that find the concept that salespeople are not motivated by money as being counterintuitive. So, Mm -hmm. um, I know there was a great piece of work by uh, Daniel Pink in his book about drive yeah. around motivation, which which, mm-hmm. which which spoke to this very, very point. But what specifically in terms of your research and your experience and work around motivations of sales, how does um, – we're not saying here that salespeople are not made to about money. What we're actually saying here is that purpose really helps them achieve more of those results. That's right.
0: That's right. And human beings are complex. We don't have a single motivation for anything that we do. You want to be a good parent because you want to do right by your children, do right by the world. You also be a little embarrassed if you're not. I mean, there's lots of motivations. So, what we found, but the research is definitive on this, that salespeople whose line of sight, whose primary motivation is to improve life for customers outperform salespeople who just focus on targets and quotas. And what that means is a lot of salespeople in the middle of the pack, in the middle of an organization, the middle of a bell curve are focused on targets and quotas. They're not bad people. They're doing a good job. They're performing, but consistently across multiple organizations, that top 5% has a purpose bigger than money. It doesn't mean they don't want the money, but they've moved to the next level where they have the confidence and security to go in and focus on the customer. And one of the things that came out in our study was they have this different motivation and they also have a really important skill. They have the ability to sit with uncertainty. They're not overly attached to every sales call going a particular way. And that creates a relaxedness and a sense of collaboration with the client. But if you are attached to, I got to close it, I got to close it. Anytime the conversation veers off course, you're going to, you're going to get um, nervous. But if you're attached to, I'm here to make a difference. And the client says, well, this is a big issue for us. You're, you lean into that. And so the data is clear that the top sellers have this other motivation. But what we found, and we documented that in the first book, but what we found in this we were doing the work for this book over the last several years. Is that the people in the middle can move in that direction? It is a teachable skill.
1: And do you see typically a certain percentage uplift in performance for that middle group?
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, we've had some companies double revenue. The bank I mentioned, their earnings are up 40%. Uh, We've had some people, big global businesses, see double-digit increases in revenue, which is kind of unusual to be able to scale at that level. Now, if you have inferior products, terrible people, and a bad strategy, we can help you, but we need to start with those things. But if you've got a good sales team, a good product, you've identified your market, this is that force multiplier that thing that takes it to the next level and what we've seen is you've got this set of purpose driven people who are probably that way in every aspect of their life and they are the top performers but you have people in the middle who are the people who are very susceptible to what they hear from their boss what they hear from marketing the way that they're coached and and these are all good people who want to do a good job and when you infuse them with that sense of purpose it changes everything.
1: You Used the phrase earlier on about collaborative. What, that when the when those salespeople mm-hmm. have, it makes those top five percent uh, are less uh, attached to the, to the outcome. They're not hanging on mm-hmm. as tight. So that in its own right is more attractive. But really, if you are pursuing that purpose, whether to make you know fantastic travel experiences or, or fueling uh, fueling prosperity. It is a collaborative thing, isn't it? You, you're, you're taking your chair around to either side of the desk, so to speak, and you sat down with them working on right. the plan to achieve that objective.
0: How can I do this with you? Yeah. So, so the one example, when you ask when we get resistance of does this work? One example I often use is imagine there are two salespeople calling on you. And right before the call, they both had a conversation with their manager. One of their managers said, I need you to go in and close this deal as fast as you possibly can. And the other one said, I need you to go in and find out how we can make life better for this customer. Which salespeople, which of those two salespeople would you rather have calling on you? Well, obviously the second one. That's who I'm going to have the meeting with. And that's why it works, because that person is going to come in and we're going to have a conversation.
1: You just reminded me of an experience I went through um, in the last six months. So almost weekly, I get a cold call, sales call from someone wanting to sell life insurance. Yeah. And or wanting to give me a better deal on life insurance. Now, the policy that I did take out six or nine months ago was from a Facebook ad that got my attention because it was basically the the story of a dad who suddenly lost uh, his wife and the mother to his children to a terrible accident. Oh. and what would it be like you know how he'd suffered and how his children had suffered and you know really beautifully emotively done with clear purpose you know you're a father if you were sort to of lose your partner or you know you, 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 your wife the mother of your children what f- wouldn't you want some time to be with your children and not to be worried mm-hmm. about money and um i've re- I hadn't really re- so i loved that i loved that so that was the front end marketing. I ultimately spoke to people that followed on that whole ethos. Told the stories, a genuine, real story about this guy Tom. Told the whole story, and I've stuck with them, and and sure. because that's the ethos. That's why they move me from ambivalence mm-hmm. or resistance to I'm buying into that because I my heart's out gone out to you. But I I, I that could happen to me, so
0: or could happen to my wife, and and it was true. It was true. And that, that's the thing. If you're selling something that people are buying, you probably have those stories. And so one of the things that we do is we teach people to tell customer impact stories mm-hmm. because, and tell them inside the company and outside the company. So if I'm that life insurance company and I'm telling the story of this guy, I want everybody to know, including the people who process the claims, including the accountants, including the CFO, including the IT people, like this is what we're doing here, people we're giving this guy time to be with his kids. Like every single one of those numbers that crosses your desk, every single one of those customers, that's a person who is getting this amazing thing from us. So take this very seriously because what happens in business is we dehumanize customers. We Uh turn them into numbers. Uh The more you can humanize customers that creates this emotional engagement from your people. And that's probably why, the marketing is so good if we don't talk about real life customers then we get marketing that says this much a month you need life insurance in a very generic way
1: yes and they're following the sales script that's hollow and they and i just know that or i'm sure everybody listening to this been on the rece- receiving end of the similar conversation where yeah. uh they just go well um i'm being sold too so i'm loving All about what you talk about I know how important that is so please tell us more about the second edition of selling with noble purpose
0: so one of the things that we wanted to do in this edition of selling with noble purpose is we work with companies all over the world but I wanted this to be something that an individual entrepreneur or an individual sales leader could pick up and implement on their own where they could we walk you through the process of claiming your purpose. It's simple. And then how do, you, how do you show up that way in the market? And so we've got all kinds of examples from solopreneurs to big companies who've done this. Uh, here's how to tell a customer impact story. Here's how to get your team on board. Here's how to get your cynical CFO on board. And so it gives you the template and you could do it in literally a week. If, if you if you pick up the book. Because the thing that we saw when we, we put this book to bed, it just came out, and we put it to bed as the start of the COVID crisis was hitting us. And one of the things that we knew from our work was, because we'd worked in a couple of industries that had been majorly disrupted, and we saw very clearly sales is going to be disrupted through this. So one of the things that we knew was that we included really practical techniques for people that they could do and also some examples that would give you a shot of inspiration because we knew that people were gonna really need that.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. So they uh, people can get hold of uh, Selling with Noble Purpose on Amazon, presumably?
0: Amazon, and I'll also say one thing that we did for the ADD Reader, which All is, right. yeah, which is, yeah, me, um, I really paid attention to how I read books. And so one of the things that I'll do in a book is I'll pick it up, look at the table of contents and just pick one or two chapters and read those. So we made it so that each chapter could stand alone and you didn't have to read them in any order and that each chapter also includes a half-page summary. So you don't even have to read the chapter. As we knew we're trying to get to entrepreneurs and sales leaders, they have the attention span of a gnat. So we wanted to lean into that and make it super easy.
1: Love that. Love that! That's fantastic. At least it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. I uh, completely uh, got the gift of some parenting uh, advice in addition to the purpose stuff. I'm personally a fan of the importance of purpose in business and selling, and I know the difference it can make. And I know that the answers, the insights, and the uh, case studies in the book are going to be a great help to people. So thank you so much for your time.
0: It was such a pleasure.
1: I always love a podcast when I get more than I bargain for. So Lisa, thank you so much for those parenting tips. I know there'll be certain moments when tantrums are in full force and I shall be reminding myself that my job is to create a future leader. Seriously, though, a key takeaway are those three powerful questions to help you zone in on what the purpose is for your business and also keep your sales team engaged on that. How do you make a difference? Question number one. Number two, how do you do it differently to your competition? And three, on your best day, what do you love about your job? I think those are three fantastic questions. Thank you, Lisa. So Lisa's book, Selling with Noble purpose by lisa McLoyd is available on amazon and in audible format as well so go and check it out on audible as well selling with noble purpose you've been listening to the business mastermind podcast be sure to subscribe rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms enjoy more success and create more impact